On today's podcast, we welcome Jinhee Wild, the founding partner of WA Law Group, LLC. Jinhee lectures internationally on academic panels and at large industry conferences and on the topic of EB-5. So we're extremely lucky to have her on the program today. As a practicing attorney for over three decades, Jinhee has unrivaled track record with clients large and small from huge multi-million dollar multinational transactions all the way down to individual investors. As an immigrant herself, one of her specialties is in assisting EB-5 investors in immigrating to the United States and securing citizenship. She is highly awarded, consistently listed on the top 25 EB-5 lawyers in the U.S. by EB-5 Investors Magazine. With 100% approval on EB-5 cases, she is known in the EB-5 circle as a fierce advocate and advisor to her clients, known best for her quick action and innovative solutions, which is actually the topic of our podcast today. Jinhee is going to let us in on some of her top secret tricks of the trade. She has developed some truly innovative systems to get her clients expedited approvals from USCIS, and our clients are seeing the fruits of her methods. Today, Jen He joins us with Jen Share from First Pathway Partners. Well, if you have been following EB-5, you know that the USCIS processing times are at an all-time high. But if you can qualify for an expedite, can you really move straight to the front of the line? On today's podcast, we are going to explore the idea of EB-5 expedites. What is the current wait time for an I-526 approval? What's an expedite? And can you qualify? Uh, today, world-renowned EB-5 attorney Jinhee Wild is going to share her tips and strategies for success to uh, get you that green card. Um, so, all right, Jinhee, lay it on us. Uh, what is an expedite request? Expedite request is an adjudication, expediting the adjudication of an application or a petition uh, for an immigration benefit. Um, it could be for any application or petition that's pending at USCIS, technically. So not just EV-5s, we can get it. It's not just for EV-5. Yeah, it's not just for EV-5. But with the EV-5, with people um, that have invested $500,000 to invest into our economy, I think, uh, you know, more or better um, argument could be made that uh, expedite should be made uh, on those cases because it is really benefiting our economy. Um, But that is not the case either. (laughs) You're right. You know, I've had many clients that have come to me before in the past and they've said, yes, we want the expedites. How do we get the expedites? You know, we're making a big investment here in the U.S. We should get the expedites. But no, just investing in an EB-5 project alone does not get you the expedite. So uh, who can qualify then for an expedite? Well, um, USAIS lays out the uh, qualification. They, they, they first, they say, they consider the expedite request on a case-by-case basis. So it is literally shoot from the hip, fairly subjective um, grant 
of uh, an expedited uh, expedited uh, request. Um, and it requires a lot of documentation to support that request to convince them on a case-by-case basis why you should be getting an expedite. Um, and they say it is the sole discretion of theirs to decide whether or not to grant or deny a request. So again, it is not something that is easily obtained. And it is also, um, even though they have a, you know, criteria and they um, tell you what their, what the criteria are um, that they will look at to expedite, but it the way they say it's a case by case basis is they have the sole discretion um, just gives them room for fairly subjective um, I guess decision making so, so in what cases can we get an expedite okay they, they say uh, if you meet one or more of the following criteria um, they will consider it. One is a severe financial loss to a company or a person, provided that the need for urgent action is not the result of the petitioner's failure. Uh, one, filed a benefit request uh, within the reasonable time and respond to any request for additional evidence. Um, well, gosh, I hope we don't have a severe financial loss in our EB-5 investment. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so what else do we have? Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that with that financial loss, they say a severe financial loss to a person uh, rec- relates to an employment authorization, student status, stand, um, that kind of thing without evidence of other compelling factors does not warrant expedited treatment. So I am not sure. Um, We haven't done this as a financial loss um, argument for an expedite, Um, but I am am kind of... None of your clients are in a position of serious financial loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think think that, uh, you know... Claiming to uh, to have a loss, just the loss. I'm I'm gonna be in financial loss. Just doesn't seem to be enough for them, uh, at least the way they say it. Okay. Um, recently, as you know, we have been successful under the second criteria: urgent human humanitarian reasons, um, and the third one being the compelling U.S. government's interest. Um, and we did this uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic with the frontline doctors. Um, and my argument is not that they have a humanitarian reason, doctors, but it is a humanitarian reason for the patients of the doctors. Um, and they, they need their services and 
And then number two is the U.S. government interest. You, you need these frontline doctors to uh, help the patients and combat oh, the yeah, pandemic. So we have been successful using those two criteria. Um, the final criteria is clear USCIS error, um, and that is um, I have been successful with that um, under the Obama administration, um, but I have not been successful with that under the Trump administration because under this administration, it seems like uh, government's error is not – they don't admit it. So – Um, So those are the four criteria, financial loss, urgent humanitarian reasons, compelling U.S. government interest, and clear USCIS error. Mm. So it's interesting that with COVID-19, it's actually created an opportunity for immigrants who can help to get visas, you know, well, not visas, but to get their adjudication faster. You know, I think it's a really compelling reason. I mean, these brave men and women, they're risking their lives for us on the front lines in our hospitals. So I say, yes, let's move them to the front of the immigration lines, right? Right. Um, the, while we have been successful in moving the five to six adjudication under this expedite request, we have not been successful with a 485 um, adjudication. Um, it seems like they will consider expediting if it is close to or slightly beyond their at least their minimum adjudication. So a doctor who has gotten a uh, four, uh, I-5 to 6 approved on an expedited basis um, filed a 485 and they they refused to expedite his 485 adjudication, saying this is within the normal processing time. Um, so their five, uh, 485 adjudication these days is about eight months. Um, so we will try again, but, uh, you know, it's, again, this decision being very subjective and a case-by-case basis I think it probably depends on which officer um, gets hold of this expedite request. Um, And, you know, there's really no, you know, rhyme or reason of one case getting expedited and then another case not getting expedited. Um, As a practitioner, all we can do is come up with a logical reason with supporting evidence to show our request is justified. But when all said and done, it is really up to them. Oh, absolutely. But once they've gotten their I-526 approved um, and they're already in the United States, once they file for adjustment of status, uh, are they then able to stay here in the United States? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you are, I normally do not um, recommend um, people using their employment authorization given under a uh, adjustment of status. Um, 
And I would rather prefer them staying with an H-1B, for example, that they have until they get a, you know, adjustment of status approved. But given that some of this, you know, the, their spouse's age four is going away and all these uncertainties dealing with age uh, visas these days under this administration, um, you can, you know, you have a AOS pending status. Um, and because your immigrant v- uh, immigrant petition five to six has been approved already, um, the likelihood of uh, 485 getting denied unless you have some inadmissibility issues that you didn't disclose to your lawyer uh, should be minimized. No, absolutely. And the great thing about this, too, as well, is, you know, this is really a way that we can help our foreign health care workers with a program that already exists. You know, yes. there's no congressional action that's required here. This already exists, and this is already an avenue to be able to help all of those foreign healthcare workers who are on the front lines for us here with COVID-19, assisting us in our hospitals. And, and it's a great way to, to keep them here, too, as well, with something that, yeah, again, no congressional action is required. So yeah. um, I would say then for, you know, all of those doctors who are out there who are considering, you know, making that $900,000 investment under the EB-5 program and filing their I-526 now, uh, especially now that other visa categories are, are less available uh, under some of uh, Trump's uh, most recent uh, immigration limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a great way to, to, to get those people to the front of the line. Yeah, it is. It is. So um, why is the expedite so important? So under an expedite, you know, how quickly can an investor, uh, number one, get the expedite? And then number two, you know, how quickly can they expect to see processing after they get granted that expedite? Well, I mean, what I have seen um, is um, the expedite request working more like a um, uh, premium processing in I-140 category, for example. You make an expedite request by calling the USCIS customer service, and you lay out your case. Um, and then oral argument. Yeah, basically. And then they issue a case number for that. And then they get around to sending you an email um, about a week or two weeks later asking for documentation. And you're, you're literally given only about two weeks to respond. Um, and so you upload all the documents that you are um, you're you're basing your request on, and you obviously before you make the expedited request, expedite request, I you know you have all of that document pretty much ready to go, right? Um, but you since you've actually, done this too, you already know exactly what they're looking for. Right. Um, so we we have no. I mean, basically, when you're saying you have a uh, compelling reasons for certain doctors doing this, you you have to show it's not just counsel's argument or even a petitioner's uh, you know letter saying, you know, I'm 
I am doing this kind of work. Uh, you need a corroborating evidence as well uh, to show that you are actually doing um, doing U.S. government or public service. Um, so you, you you lay that out. You you think about what your argument will be. You lay out the evidence, um, and you get that prepared before you make that phone call. Um, and then, and then you um, respond when the email comes to you. The email from USCIS saying provide this evidence comes to the the investor. A CC to us, obviously, but it comes to the investor, and they seem to like to hear directly from the petitioner. So we have been providing all the documentation that we have prepared, giving it back to the client, saying, you know, respond in this manner and walk them through it. So that's that's what has been happening. Um and we have been fortunately successful at it. But again, it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah. And, you know, we've recently had some success on this together, you and I. Uh, yes. In a case where you were the attorney and we were the fund manager. Uh, we yes. had a few clients that were awarded these types of expedites. Um, and on a pretty quick timeline, you know, I was really surprised, you know, when you told me that you were putting in the expedite request, you know, a few weeks later, we heard back that the expedite request was granted. Um, and then, you know, two weeks after that, they were approved. I was, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised, um, by how fantastic this process went forward and really to such deserving clients too, as well. You know, I had a conversation with them last week and they were just absolutely, through the moon uh, that they were uh, granted this expedite uh, and that they were going to be moving forward uh, in their process. So, right. you know, and well-deserved too as well. I mean, right. you could have better new Americans uh, coming to the green card uh, than, than these clients. So, Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. They're, they're very, very happy. And, you know, I, we, we both know that the Trump administration has been, slowing, slow walking every single uh, adjudication. Um, But, uh, you know, it's uh, and then banning now (laughs) until end of the year, certain categories. And it's just it's um, it's really too bad that, uh, you know, deserving workers like them um, have to go through such a gyration. They're you know, benefiting the government, they're benefiting the community, they're benefiting the economy. And and it, it really, they should, if they are really truly um, interested in reducing or stopping illegal immigration, they have to increase legal immigration. Um, otherwise, what's the benefit of people doing things legally? when they have to go through and suffer through 10 plus years just to take the legal steps to uh, immigrate. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, getting an expedite is really so great. You know, when I first started uh, in EB-5 over a decade ago, you know, Mm -hmm. all of my cases were processed in about three months. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, three to three to five months uh, was yeah. what it was about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. Well, and then all of a sudden, you know, we get to 2015, 2016, you know, we're seeing about a year, uh, 2017, 2018, uh, they're publishing about two years. And now I just went to the USCIS website and they are currently posting 46 to 74 and a half months. That is four to six years. Yeah. Yeah, that that's just that's just wrong. Um, and last EB five stakeholders meeting with USCIS, they actually said they were fully staffed at that time. I know that was before the pandemic, but um, even with a fully staffed IOP office, they were processing what four hundred in two three months time. 400 applications uh, with uh, 200 plus uh, staff members. That's what? One or two <laughs> applications per month? Sign me up for that job. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that, seems, that seems unconscionable to me, especially when you're dealing with, uh, again, investing in the U.S. economy at the t- tune of near 500,000. Yeah, I mean, if you even just look back to 2018, they were adjudicating more in one quarter than they are on pace to do in all of 2020. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is just staggering in itself. And yeah. there are uh, over 16,000 petitions pending. So, uh, you know, this could be a, a really good opportunity for some folks who qualify uh, to be able to, uh, you know, get some better adjudication times. Yeah, yeah. So go talk to your lawyers. <laughs> well, how about go talk to Jimmy? You know, um, one of the great things that you know I really love about working with you is, you know, you can just really see how you go above and beyond for all of your clients a lot more than other law firms. You know, there are a lot of attorneys that, you know, they get that retainer and then all of a sudden the client is really on their time frame. You know, they're not uh, necessarily getting back with responses as quick. And what I like about Jin, he is, you know, she always takes that call. You know, she's been through the immigration process herself. And so she literally is going to treat you just like this case was her own case. Um, And she's always thinking about you, even when you aren't thinking about your own case. She's thinking about your case and coming up with great ideas uh, like this to make sure that you can get through the process as, as quickly as possible. Well, thank you, Jennifer. That's very kind of you. But I, I do, um, you know, these uh, uh, recent success with the expedite. Yeah, I did actually contact my customers and saying, you know, I know you guys are looking at this uh, long processing times that gets gets keeps getting longer. Uh, I was thinking about doing this. Are you? can you provide me with what you're doing right now that I can justify? And I, you know, kind of got the ball rolling that way. Um, But I mean, you know, these doctors are very, you know, they're nervous. They're very nervous. Um, What Trump is doing with, uh, you know, what the president is doing with uh, H-1Bs and, you know, um, getting rid of H-1s, L-1s. I mean, there's no business immigration anymore (laughs) until the end of the year. (laughs) And the wait on EB-2s is just... Oh, gosh. You know, for uh, Indian uh, nationals, uh, it's like 
30 years, it seems. I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. So. Well, and let's talk India here for a second, too, because, I mean, we're talking about long waits. So Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of Indian doctors that are here in the United States waiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, India has a backlog for, you know, as we discussed just now, EB2, but Mm -hmm. also for EB1 and EB3. um, Previously, EB5, too. So, um, you know, EB5. Uh, is now current, though, this summer, which is great for for Indian doctors. But, you know, it's also expected to return back to backlog status. Right. Um, So can an expedite make the difference between uh, getting in while EB-5 is current and, uh, you know, not and and waiting until it's back to, to being retrogressed? Yes. I mean, obviously, I would not have actually thought about expedite request on 526 if their visa numbers were not current Um, because there's no need. And especially if you have, you know, children with, um, you know, that are that are in high school or something and getting uh, aid, uh, the possibility of age out longer your five to six is pending the better it is for you so you know this whole expedite request is not for everyone and it is you know you have to literally think about what is going on with adjudication time what kind of argument can you make and support for the expedite request and does this help because um, just getting five to six or any, you know, immigrant petition approved, you know, unless you just want to have a approved petition in your hand, um, having that immigrant petition approval in your back pocket. If you want that, that's fine. Uh, but if that's not what you want and you, you want to jump on to the a, uh, AOS uh, process, the next step, uh, the priority date has to be current. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen um, six months from now. But right now, uh, the visa numbers are current for Indian nationals. So I think that anyone who has... Um, uh, and with the six pending flows too as well, you know, yeah. Yeah. crossing and the consulates aren't able to take those visa numbers as well. So right. Right. You know, that could potentially mean more numbers for people who are adjusting status also. Right. right. So there's a lot of um, opportunity there, I think, I think mm-hmm. right now for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, anyone who already has the five to six pending uh, should take a look at and discuss whether or not it uh, expedite requests works for them. And again, you know, any student's uh, petition that's pending probably will not work, um, as I said before, because, um, you know, requests for expedite is limited to those four criteria. And... Um, you know, financial loss um, alone is very hard to prove. And but if you are getting offers from the government because you're a fantastic coder, <laughs> that could work. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that uh, you know 
my my clients were doctors and it was easier for me to uh, prove that but again on a case by case basis we need to we should talk about how you know what are you doing how are we going to ask for expedite um request what do we what do we have to support that request and uh does that help you if uh, if five to six is approved, can you do something with it right away? Um, those are all the kind of analysis that you need to do. So what you're saying is, is that you need a really good immigration attorney to help you make sure that you're making the right choice, number one, based on you know, what kind of priority date you have and based on a number of other different factors, you know, dependent children that you might have. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors, so make sure to, to consult a really good immigration attorney. I know one. Um, <laughs> uh, and then number two, you know, um, expedite is not necessarily for everyone. You know, Jinhee doesn't have a magic wand, uh, so she can only get you an expedite if you actually qualify for one. Um, but I have seen her get really creative with her arguments and identify some pretty novel ways to get you there. And uh, if it isn't an expedite, she's got a whole toolbox full of other creative ideas and things that she can use to make the law work in your favor. Um, so uh, I, I would certainly encourage you to to consult with an immigration attorney and uh, see if maybe, you know, an expedite could could work for you. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to uh, hopefully getting some expedites for folks. <laughs> thanks, Jennifer. I, I need to I have to uh, plug in my partner, uh, Sanuk Andal, who will be uh, managing attorney soon after I phase out uh, into retirement in next few years. Um, she has been doing EB-5 work uh, just as long as I have, and my success is her uh, success as well. So it's a group effort here at WA Law Group. Oh, that's for sure. But we hope you never retire, Jenny. <laughs> I'm getting old, Jennifer. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. And I uh, look forward to hosting you maybe on another podcast in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your invitation. And it was great talking to you. Oh, you always. Okay. Bye-bye. If you would like to know more about First Pathway Partners and how they can help you with a direct EB-5 investment, or if you're looking for other visa opportunities such as an E-2 visa, please contact them directly online at www.firstpathway.com.